Amen, indeed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, wonderful musicians, for your ministry. Praise God. My friends, would you take your Bibles now and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And in your bulletin, you'll also find the message outline for today. All right. For several weeks now, we've been studying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the outline in your bulletin there says right at the top, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. Slip your hand up if you need a message outline. Uh, some of our ushers can pass one to you. Michael, they're right there. All right, if you don't have one, slip your hand up, please. And they can assist you with one. Let us read the scripture together in unison from the big, the big screen. And uh, this is the new, new Living Translation. All right. New Living Translation. Let's read it in unison, shall we? Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So now today we come to gentleness. If you want to hear the other messages on uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness. You can go to the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene website and uh, listen to them. For you, no charge. Free. Free. Actually, for anybody. <laughs> All right? As we come to the subject of gentleness, I want to be honest with you and say this. In my humble opinion... Out of the nine fruit mentioned here in Galatians 5, 23, I think the one that we need to improve in and to grow in the most as a congregation is in the area of gentleness. I would not be surprised if many times you have read this and thought, oh yeah, yeah, gentleness. Uh, it is far more important than just skipping over it. A few years ago, it was election time, and I went to our local school to vote, as many of you do as well. As I entered the school, I met a lady, and she said, oh, you're, you're Pastor Nick, you're the minister at the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. And I said, yes, I am, yes, hi. And she said, Wow, she said, I haven't seen you in over 20 years. Now, she hadn't seen me in all those years, and the next statement, the next statement from her was, well, you've become fat. <laughs> you've become fat. Now, she was probably right in that I was most likely 10, 20 pounds over more than I should have been. But here's this dear lady 
She hadn't seen me in over 20 years. And one of the first things she says to me, you've become fat. And um, I thought, and I think today, that lady needed a lesson on gentleness, <laughs> on gentleness. <laughs> you know, I, 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 thought, I thought, lady, you haven't seen me in over 20 years. I hope I don't see you in another 20 years. <laughs> Two minutes with you is enough every 20 years. <laughs> no, listen, honestly, I didn't think that, okay? All right, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't think that, my sister, no. I didn't. I just said that just for the fun of it, okay? I, so, uh, it, fortunately, it didn't bother me. It really didn't bother me. In fact, it was winter, and I said, oh, I said, uh, I'm, I'm not as big as I, I look. You know, I've got this heavy winter coat, and I got my suit underneath here. I'll take off my winter coat, and, and uh, so on. A anyway, anyway. Now, my friends, normally, I prepare my messages from scratch, from scratch, meaning... Uh, I use a combination of, of prayer, my Bible, various books and commentaries. I've got a large uh, library in my office, and I use the internet as well to source other things. And during my research a few weeks ago when I was working on this whole series, during, uh, uh, during my research, I came across a message by Pastor Rick Warren of the Saddleback Church in, in Southern California. And when I, when I heard his message on gentleness, I was really greatly blessed by the truth. And I thought, wow, wow, the, so, much, so much can be said about gentleness. And uh, I, I said to myself, when I get to gentleness, in this passage of scripture, I want, I want to essentially communicate to you the beautiful truths that Pastor Rick Warren shared in that particular message, okay? And um, so I, I want to give full credit for this message to Pastor Rick Warren for most, most of what I'm about to share with you and next week. And in fact, at the bottom of your handout, please write something like, you know, from Pastor Rick Warren or whatever you wish, okay? I want you to think about this. In our hard-driving, ego-driven, market-driven culture, you don't hear. You don't hear a lot about gentleness, and the reason is we don't really understand what it means to be gentle. Some of you think, oh, yes, you understand. Uh, I don't know about that. Many people think that gentleness is weakness, but God says absolutely not. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentle people are actually very strong. It's the weak people who are arrogant. It's the weak people who are prideful and pushy and rude and mean. The truly strong people are gentle. Now here is a definition of gentleness. Gentleness is strength under control. That's in your notes. 
gentleness is strength under control. If, if you look up the word in the dictionary, it says something like, the quality of being kind, tender. The quality of being kind and tender. Now, real gentleness is not weakness, but rather it is strength, the strength of a person under control. A gentle person does not overreact. A gentle person is not driven by his or her emotions where, where he or she is so moody that almost anything can cause them to fly off the handle. Right? The Greek word which is translated, this part of our Bible was originally written in Greek, as most of you know. And the Greek word which is translated gentleness in Galatians is preotis, P-R-A-O-T-E-S. I was reading in Dr. William Barclay's commentary on Galatians 5.22. Doctor, do you have Dr. Barclay's commentaries? Aren't they excellent? So, so good, eh? So wonderful, yes. All right, so I was reading in his commentary, and Dr. Barclay says some very helpful things about preotis, which is translated gentleness. First of all, I was intrigued by the fact that Dr. Barclay, who, who was an excellent Greek scholar, by the way, and a student of the word, Dr. Barclay says, preotis is the most untranslatable of words. Preotis is the most untranslatable of words. Follow me and you'll see why he says this. He goes on and says, in the New Testament, it has three main meanings. It means, A, it means being submissive to the will of God. Go ahead and fill in your blank in your notes there. It means being submissive to the will of God. Question, are you and I submissive to the will of God? B, this is what preotis means. It means being teachable, fill in, teachable, being not too proud to learn. Are you and I teachable? And C, most of all, it means being considerate. Considerate. Are we considerate? Aristotle. Uh, put your hand up if you ever studied Aristotle. Any of you? Just let me see your hand. Uh, a few of you. Okay. Aristotle, who was an ancient Greek philosopher, I'm somehow connected, having been born in Greece, I'm connected to Aristotle somewhere, somehow. I don't know exactly how. <laughs> but he was an ancient Greek philosopher who lived in uh, 384 B.C. to 322 B.C. What's interesting is Aristotle defined preotis, the Greek word preotis, as the mean, M-E-A-N, between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. The quality, uh, the quality of the person who is always angry at the right time 
and never at the wrong time. Now that can be real tough, right? That can be tough. All right. By the way, in the old translations of the Bible, such as the King James Version of 1611, that's when the translation was done, the Greek word praeotes used to be translated meekness, meekness, M-E-E-K-N-E-S-S, but the word meekness isn't used very often in the present, in the present decade, okay? Uh, you hear it occasionally, but not very often because meek, meek has become almost a synonym for, for weak. And gentleness is anything but weakness. It's not, it's not weakness. Maybe you would be interested to know that the Greek word praeotis used to be used to refer to a, a wild stallion that had been tamed. If you found a wild stallion in the fields, for example, it was very strong and wild, and if it ever kicked you, it would probably kill you pretty quickly. But if you bring, or if you, would, if you brought that stallion back and you tamed it, you tamed it, then the strength is brought under control. The strength is bottled up and then becomes useful for the master. All right? A tamed horse is no less strong than a wild horse. The tamed horse has just as much strength and can go just as fast, but the tamed horse is what? Is gentle. Fill in your blank. The tamed horse is gentle and its strength is under control, not wild, fit for the master's use. My friends, when you and I practice true gentleness as a man of God or a woman of God, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you are weak. It doesn't mean you are weak. It doesn't mean you are a doormat. It means, it means you are not overreacting. It means you are in control of your emotions and you are overall under control by the Spirit of God. All right, let's talk about the benefits of gentleness in your life. And these benefits are the ones that especially touched my heart when I was listening to that message that I told you about from Pastor Warren. All right? Now, we don't have time to cover all the benefits in this message here today. We're going we're gonna to do a bunch of them next Sunday morning, okay? And if you will take seriously and apply what I'm about to share with you about gentleness, you will not only be more, more like the Lord himself, but you will also be a much nicer person. How many of you would like to have nicer family members? Huh? Nicer family members, starting with yourself? Okay? <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> gently, gently gotcha. <laughs> All right. If you will better understand what it means to be a gentle man or a gentle woman, it will bring you so many extra blessings. It's really incredible. It really is. All right. Here is how learning to be gentle will bless and benefit your life. Number one. This is one of the first benefits or blessings. Number one. Gentleness diffuses, D-E-F-U-S-E-S, -E -S, 
Gentleness diffuses conflict. It de-escalates anger. It curbs anger. It diffuses the time bomb in any relationship that is about to explode. Gentleness is an antidote to anger. Proverbs 15, verse 1. Let's read it in unison from the big screen. 15, 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Isn't that true? Isn't this incredible how, how correct, how true the Bible is? All right? Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that as human beings, we tend to mimic, to mimic the emotions of people around us? Have you ever noticed? Ushers, I'm going to ask, please, if you just, if you could close the second door there. The reason being is there's a major reflection that's literally blinding me. Uh, it, you, you won't notice it. You don't see it. But it just, it just literally blinded me. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michael. Okay. Have you ever noticed that we tend to mimic the emotions of people around us? And the reason we do this is... There is created in your brain what's called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons, N-E-U-R-O-N-S. Mirror neurons allow you to sympathize and to mirror back what other people feel. For example, if someone gets angry at you, you get angry back. Uh, if someone gets upset, you tend to get upset back. You're mirroring the response. Another example, if someone is really depressed, if you hang around them long enough, what's going to happen? You're going to get depressed as well. All right? On the other hand, if someone is energetic, if someone is energetic, you'll get what? Energetic. See how smart you folks are? Yeah. That's part of the mirror neuron system. Some of you have probably studied this in some of your classes across the years. Now, here's a little tip. Well, I knew this before, but here's a little tip, especially from Pastor Rick Warren, okay, that will save you a lot of problems. The tip is this. When, when other people raise their voice, you lower your voice volume-wise. You get that? You lower your voice. That little tip will, will save you an enormous amount of conflict in your marriage. Can someone say, uh-huh? That tip will save you a lot of conflict in your marriage, your parenting, at work, at school, at church, wherever we are. And that's called strength under control, gentleness. And usually what happens is that, is that when someone raises their voice as they're talking to you because they're getting upset and they get louder and louder, 
there's a tendency for you to also raise your voice back. Isn't that true? Yes. And then, and then you raise your voice higher and pretty soon it, 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 it has escalated way up there. You know, it's just come louder and he's, he's shouting, she's shouting, whatever, whatever. And that usually means that you are out of control. Strength under control, gentlemen, gen gentleness, means when they, raise your, when they raise their emotions and their voice, you lower yours, and you will not mimic the other person. Here's a Bible verse some of you might need this week. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 4. Read it in unison from the big screen. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. Some translations say a gentle spirit or, or a quiet and gentle spirit can overcome great mistakes. If your boss ever gets angry or upset with you, have you ever had a boss get upset with you? Or, or no one wants to uh, be honest about this? Uh, it's okay, it's all right, all right? If your boss ever gets angry with you, it's possible that he or she was upset because you blew it. I mean, you made a, some very serious mistake or you really, yeah, you really did something wrong. So it's possible that sometimes you, you or I, we might deserve to get balled out. However, however, sometimes it's possible that your boss got upset and it maybe didn't have anything to do with you. Someone says, all right. <laughs> maybe, maybe your boss just, just got a, a very upsetting phone call. Or his own boss, his own boss bawled him out for some reason. Or he or she had a big argument with his wife the night before. Or maybe, maybe their new baby was colicky and screaming all night and your boss didn't get any sleep. Those of you who have had babies know what that can be like. I remember those days with our son Jeremy. He, he was a beautiful baby, still a beautiful, wonderful young man now. But you know, if, 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 he hadn't, if he hadn't given us such a hard time up until the age of three and a half, we might have had a dozen kids instead of just two. Okay? It could be that your boss was just venting on you. It's not right, you know, it wouldn't have been right but it can happen and it was not your fault. If your boss does get upset with you and especially if you know you didn't do anything wrong, do as Ecclesiastes 10.4 says, don't quit. A quiet, gentle spirit can overcome even great mistakes, all right? Uh, by, by the way, if, if, if perhaps uh, if perhaps you're, you're missing filling in your blanks somewhere after church, you can just come to the communion table and from the master sheet there, you can fill in any blank that you missed, okay? Because I want you to be able to take this and, and communicate it, teach it to some of your family members or friends, you know, and have a little discussion and say, listen, listen, we've got to grow in gentleness, okay? Here is a second benefit 
of gentleness in your life and mine, okay? Here's the second one we want to get to. It is this. Gentleness disarms critics. It really does. Now, the more successful you are in life, the more critics you are going to have. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. If you don't do anything with your life, <laughs> if you don't do anything with your life, no one is going to criticize you. The only way to avoid all criticism is do nothing, write it in. Do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Okay? That way you'll avoid all criticism. <laughs> When you stand for something and don't give in to everybody and everything, you will have times when you're going to be criticized. So, how do you handle the critics in your life? Maybe some people who gossip against you, people who criticize you at work, at school, in your neighborhood, wherever. How do you handle them? Well, when you respond, when you respond to your critics with gentleness, it usually disarms them. Usually disarms them. It often disappoints your critics when you respond with gentleness. Did you know that? If someone criticizes you, Someone criticizes you, for instance, on social media. You know what they're doing? They're trolling you. A troll is a person who starts quarrels or tries to upset people on the internet to distract and create discord by posting upsetting messages. Sometimes I hear people say, Oh, Pastor, you know, so-and-so got me so upset when I saw what they posted about me and you know, just hurt my heart and, and just so upset me. And no, no doubt, no doubt. But the troll is expecting you to get mad back at them. They, they want you to become defensive and angry. Now, here's the psychology behind this. Those of you who have studied psychology already probably know this, but others of you will say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. But here's the psychology behind this. There is actually what's called an anger addiction, an anger addiction that is as real as any other addiction. Do any of you know this? Some of you. All right. Some people, some people are addicted to the feeling of anger and they live in such a depressed state. The only way, the only way they can feel good or feel alive or energetic is to get angry at somebody. And those people are often looking for a fight. They're looking for a fight. Do you know someone like that? Yeah, amen. <laughs> you know, now some of you, some of you just had a light bulb, a light bulb go on in your head, and you're thinking, you're thinking, wow, wow, now 
I better understand my husband. Or, or now, I better understand my wife. Or now, I, I better understand my coworker or someone in church. Okay? Don't, if that person is sitting beside you, don't, don't look at him and don't elbow him or her, okay? I don't want more problems, okay? All right? Maybe, maybe you had a parent. Perhaps you had a parent um, like that. Or, or maybe you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend like that. Someone who was always looking, looking to cause a problem, to cause a fight, trying to get you angry, and you think, why is this person always doing this? They don't seem to be happy unless they get me upset or they get somebody else upset. Am I connecting here? You understand? Oh, you do understand. Oh, amen. <laughs> okay. Because some people don't feel good until they get angry, they will often needle other people, whether it's verbally or on the internet, wherever. And when they get, when they get angry, it energizes them, and then surprisingly, they feel a lot better. Now don't, don't let them pull you in, all right? Someone might say something about you, for example, on, on Instagram or, or Twitter or through some other third party, and if you let it, if you let it get, get, to, uh, get to you, it will obviously make you upset. It'll, uh, it'll, it'll hurt, it'll upset you and get angry, and then whoever was looking for a fight will be thinking, all right, all right, I hooked him or her. I, you know, I hooked him or her. I got them all upset. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. They end up feeling so good because they love getting into a fight. They feel energized. By the way, Normal people, normal people don't like getting into disagreements and fights. All right? But some people do. So what should you do in those situations? The Apostle Paul tells us uh, what he did. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 tells us this. Let's read it in unison on the big screen. Okay? 1 Corinthians 4, 13 tells us, we appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Or, or some translations would say, we respond gently when evil things are said about us. We don't retaliate. Fill in your blank. We don't retaliate. We don't fight back. Right? If someone hurts you, that puts them below you. If you get even with them, that puts you even keel with them. If you respond gently, it actually puts you morally superior to them. You're not trying to be superior to anybody, but that's, that's the way the Lord wants us to be. You know, you, don't, you want to respond gently. Paul said we appeal or we respond gently when evil things are said about us. Titus chapter 2, verse 8, says this. Let's read it in unison from the big screen. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized, 
then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Here's some other great advice. 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 23 to 25. Read it in unison with me. Again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must, be, must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Amen? Now notice, notice verse 24 says... A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to who? To everyone. Notice it doesn't say must be kind just to people uh, you like. You know? It doesn't say must be kind to people of the same race or culture. Nor does it say must be kind just to people... Um, People who are Christians. It doesn't say you must be kind just to people who are of the same political party. What does it say? Must be kind to who? Everyone. Everyone. Forget about this. Oh, I don't like those people. No, I don't like those kind of people. I don't like those kind of people. No must be kind to everyone. I don't know if any of you are aware of this, but occasionally I get criticized. Occasionally I get criticized. Now and then, now and then, I deserve it. Someone said yes. <laughs> Who is that person? <laughs> You know, now and then, perhaps I deserve it. But most times, I don't deserve it. Most times, I don't. Um, I, I, won't mention, I won't mention criticism from recent years because I don't want any of you to think, oh, he's talking about me, and I'm talking about you, you know? All right? I'll tell you, however about some criticism, um, some criticism I received from a man in our church 36 years ago. The safe when you can go further back, you know? So um, he went to be with the Lord about 20 years ago. <laughs> so he's not around to be bothered by me telling you about this criticism. And I won't be telling you his name anyway, okay? It was 1983, 1983, in the year 1983. I can write a song about it. <laughs> but anyway, in 1983, we had just built and just moved into our first church building on Alex Muir Boulevard. We had about a $40,000 shortfall in paying our construction bills. I challenged, I challenged us to fast and pray about giving um, to help pay off the remaining $40,000 in construction bills. 
And when I was praying, I really, I really felt the Lord clearly directing my wife and I to give $10,000 towards the $40,000 shortfall. Fortunately, one day when my wife was going home on the bus from her job, and we hadn't even talked about, about it as yet, when my wife was going home on the bus from her job, she also felt the Lord telling her for us to give $10,000. And I was grateful. I was grateful the Lord communicated with her as well because, you know, it's, it just is, can be hard trying to convince a wife, right? Or, or a husband. So we only, had, we only had about $400 or maybe $500 in our bank account at that time. So we went and we met with a bank manager and asked him if we could please borrow $10,000 from the bank. My wife and I then gave the $10,000 to our church to help pay off the bills. And I remember telling, I remember telling our congregation back then about how the Lord led both my wife and I to give the $10,000. Soon after telling our story in church, a man in our church came up to me, came up to me and he was very upset and he severely criticized me, criticized me and my wife for borrowing $10,000 in order to give it. I was totally surprised. For some reason, he was really upset that my wife and I would borrow to give, and he also said that he could easily give more than 10,000, but that he didn't want to. I said, well, my friend, that's, that's up to you and the Lord. I learned back in 1983 as a young pastor newly out of seminary that sometimes even when you do something good, and even when you do something which you know the Lord is directing you to do, wants you to do, some people will still criticize you. I learned that. Okay? The good news is, the good news is, fortunately, I responded gently. I hadn't done that, this sermon back then, and I hadn't listened to Pastor Rick's sermon, but fortunately, I had responded gently to his criticisms, and he remained a part of our church for the rest of his life. In fact, in fact, he and I became good friends, and I think it was largely because when he criticized me, I responded gently. My friends, I've learned over the years to ask God to give me a, a thick skin, <laughs> thick skin and a tender heart. You got that? And the truth is, there, there are some difficult people, and I'm talking to some of you here right now. I'm, I'm saying that gently <laughs> and honestly. All right? Uh, in fact, by the way, one of the main reasons, one of the main reasons a lot of pastors don't stay longer than two or three years in any church is, is because they get worn out. They get worn out from dealing with difficult people. Now, I'm surprised I'm not more worn out after 38 years in the same congregation. I'm still looking half my age, right? <laughs> All right. 
Any pastor, by the way, any pastor who survives the ministry for more than 10 years has had to train himself or herself and has had to ask the Lord to give them a thick skin and a tender heart. Now, you, you, don't, you, don't, want to have a, you don't want to have a tough heart, okay? You don't want to have a tough heart. You want to have a, a tender heart and a tough skin or thick skin. All right? And so, so far we have talked about two benefits of gentleness. Number one, gentleness diffuses conflict. And number two, gentleness disarms critics. Next Sunday morning at the 11 o'clock service, we will talk about six more beautiful benefits or blessings of gentleness. Now, unless you have to be out of town next Sunday, I strongly encourage you to be here because if you better understand all the benefits of gentleness, and if you and I keep asking the Lord to help us grow in gentleness, grow in gentleness, you will be, you will be a better single person, a better husband. I, I want you to notice, I didn't forget the singles there, Edna. All right? You'll be a better single person, a better husband or wife, a better parent, a better son or daughter, a better student in high school or university, a better employee, a better Christian. Do you want to be better? Of course you do. Amen? Amen. Now, earlier in the message, when I was explaining what the Greek word preotis, which is translated gentleness, when I was explaining what it means, I said that one of the meanings, one of the meanings is being submissive, submissive to the will of God. It is as we are submissive to the will of God that the Holy Spirit is better able to grow gentleness, to create gentleness in us. We are going to sing a closing song called, I Surrender All. And my friends, the more we surrender to the Lord, the more we surrender, the more the Lord will produce in you and me the fruit of what? Gentleness. The fruit of gentleness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you, Lord, for how I myself have been enriched over these weeks of studying Galatians 5, 22, 23. And I pray, Lord, that our people here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene and our radio listeners and internet listeners, I pray that they too, in one way or another, are being enriched and that together, together we're better understanding of the fact that the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, Lord, create and produce in each one of us the marvelous fruit that we've been studying. And as we focus on gentleness today, Lord, I pray that you would more and more create gentleness, a gentle spirit in each of us, Lord. For I've come to learn, and we have come to learn, that gentleness is not weakness, but rather it is strength under control for your honor and for your glory. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.